Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense, Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. Two men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score, which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron grace. Welcome to Gridiron Grace Football History and its memorabilia. <laughs> the Gridiron Grace Publishing and Broadcasting Network. In conjunction with Slick Enterprises, and we're live from the Southport, North Carolina home. Gridiron Greats Magazine. I'm Bob Swift, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be the host for your show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America that focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150 plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at Gridiron Greats Magazine. Time I'd like to introduce. My co-host, he's a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Lord. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squires. Joe, welcome to the show. Bob, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the last show of the year, but... The bumper music, the intro music was just a, had a little pep in its step. I'm humming along, hearing you uh, say, you know, you know, senior contributing writer. I do owe you an article, uh, and just I don't know, just some some about it. Just a, a good show. I'm excited to be here. And I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're here. And this is our final show for 2022. It is actually our 168th show we've done <laughs> since 2014, eight years ago. We had our little oh hiatus in between. And uh, this year has been a pretty interesting year as far as collecting is concerned, as far as yeah. life is concerned. A uh, lot of changes. Uh, we went from being homeless from our condo rental to our home. Um, we've uh, gone through another interesting season of actual uh, lost by place here, of actual uh, interesting guests and a lot of different things going on in the hobby, a lot of things going on in the football world, so on and so forth. And a little off script here, one thing I want to comment on, uh, there's been a lot of feedback about what happened at Derek Carr uh, with the Raiders, and um, I just want to throw my two cents out with with that. Also, I think what yep. it, what really happened was um, they don't want to pay Carr the extra money next year that he's guaranteed. The money that he's guaranteed, number one, and number two, they want to keep him safe, not injured. So basically, they just told his agent. I'm sure they'd even tell him 
you know, he's uh, injured reserve for the next two games, and we're going to shop him as fast as possible to get rid of him. And thanks for your service to the L.A. Raiders. And it's it's more of a business decision. And, uh, you know, again, we we got to be realistic. The NFL is a business. Yeah. It's it's not the uh, – the the um, the camaraderie that we had in the 40s, 50s, and 60s as far yep. as teammates yep. and the team and so on and so forth. Everything is a business decision. And because of the what I feel excessively inflated salaries for quarterbacks today especially, uh, they got to protect their investments, and that's it. Oh, that's it. what it comes down to. And, um, you know, can't shed any tears about it. I feel bad for anybody who's a Raiders fan seeing what's going on because they're going to, you know, have a rough time the, ne- the next two games one way or the other. But, you know, it is what it is, and that's it, you know. Yeah. And it, lo- it, loses, a, it loses a little sparkle of uh, professional <laughs> football to a large degree. You know what I mean? I, yes, sadly. Yes. It is losing a little bit of luster. I've watched probably 10 games this year, and half of those were on in the background on Sunday night football while, you know, we're making dinner. <laughs> uh, first of all, old, uh, old AFC West rivalries never die. The Seattle Seahawks were AFC West for a long time. My two favorite right. teams, the Seattle Seahawks and whoever was the, uh, the Raiders. Uh, so yep. I've, I've had a d- disdain for the Raiders my entire life. So, I don't feel bad for the Raiders. <laughs> I feel bad for Derek Carr, yes. I mean, um, I remember the first time I heard somebody make a comment, that was a career decision. And I, 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 I forget who it was, but it was a, a safety who had a running back break into the secondary. And so you've got this, you know, 170, 180-pound safety who's going up against this 220-pound running back. And the guy barely two-hand two hand touched him as he blew by him into the end zone. And the commentator said, Correct. well, that was a career, certainly a career decision not to try and tackle that guy. <laughs> and I had to ask my yep. dad what he meant. It was like, you know, you try and tackle a beast like that, a Bo Jackson, you're going to get run over. You know, right. you know. so that was the first time I heard that, and it made sense. And unfortunately, we've been muttering, career decision a lot more lately haven't we i mean uh, oh, you're, you're oh, seeing it in, you're seeing it in college bowl games where people are you know where players are declaring themselves you know you know i'm not going to play in this bowl game because i'm going for the draft i mean which is which right. is tough it's tough on your team right right it's 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 you know changed the complexion of the game dramatically that's why it was very invigorating for me uh, to actually see Army-Navy in person, see real football. I call it real football because it is real football. It's basic football. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate living down here. Uh, we became friends with uh, a family, and their son is uh, like a walking encyclopedia of Army football. And um, <laughs> it, it's incredible, his analysis on a lot of stuff. And I had, I had the uh, pleasure of hosting him here for the Army Air Force game um, uh, because their, believe it or not, their cable system was um, on the fritz at in their house that day. So I had him come over, and I got and I do have Paramount, so we can see the CBS uh, pregame uh, show, so on and so forth. And it, it was incredible the insight he gave me for the game, and uh, I got to see you know, see Army football once again in a, in a much different light and I, a true appreciation for the service academy football, which to me is one of the last areas of free, of real football being played right now, you know, in, in all actuality. And it's just yeah. amazing to see, you know, well, really amazing especially, to see. Especially in the military like that, it's steeped in tradition, first of all. Uh, yeah. and there, there's a real pride in military and, and you know, you're – you're playing a game that, you know, will be talked about. I mean, I, I sent right. a, you know, we had Scotty Otten on, you know, uh, last last show, and I was joking around that two of those custom made one of uh, six hundred were printed. I believe what, was it to the yeah, game? Yeah, six hundred. Six hundred. Yep. Yeah, one of them sold on eBay. Yeah, there were two up for eBay. One of them had a had a was a, you know, coming on. 
unlaminated, so it was splitting on the corner. That one went for right, 350 right. and the other one went for $460. Just the ticket stub yep. to a game, a yep. used ticket stub, two yep. weeks old, $460. Yep. That was incredible. That tells you how historical well, yeah. that game is. Hey, I was spot on when we were walking to the uh, get into the game with the group. I was with Jeff Garfinkel and his uh, friends there. And I said to him, your ticket realistically is going to be worth 400 to $600. And they're saying, no way, it's not possible. I said, just watch. And sure enough, I, I picked the low end right now. If another one comes <laughs> out, I can guarantee you that that's going to be going well over $500, $600 for the ticket, you know. And I, I'm just so thankful. I, I, you know, that's that's a, a prized possession. And I could see it right in my bookcase right now. I have it displayed. I mean, that is an incredible ticket to own, to have one of 600. And I know darn well there's quite a few Army-Navy collectors out there, one way or the other. Yeah. So uh, it will be in demand. Ticket, for what, what a game. What an experience. And to go with Scotty Otten, who's an amazing host who helped design the ticket, who's a Army Navy ticket, you know, game historian, just really cool. Just uh, that that ticket. Yeah, I'm really glad. Text me a picture of that ticket in your display. You know, I've been really enjoying, you know, hanging my collection up in my office. You know, I sent you guys texts. You know, I bought this custom made wax packs, wax pack right. holder with a glass display case, and I've really enjoyed adding to that. But for a long time, I didn't put stuff up because I was afraid it'd get damaged or et cetera. For the first time three years ago, I'm like, you know what? This, I'm, I'm not going to move offices again, uh, and I'm going to start enjoying my collection uh, and you know, surrounding myself with stuff. And every once in a while, somebody would be like, what's that 48-leaf uncut sheet worth? And I'm like, well, it's kind of invaluable. It's the only one I've ever seen. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it's one of a kind. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's interesting to me the few people that actually have seen my my new man cave which is still not finished because I don't have a desk up here and I'm I'm missing one like book bookcase type of uh, shelving unit and I still don't have everything on the wall that I that I want on the wall I got to get some new frames and stuff like that but anyways inevitably everybody asks well what's it worth and I said well it's only worth what another person yeah. is willing to pay for it and B I, I'm not prepared. The stuff I have showing right now on display, I'm not prepared to part with it. So it is what it is, you know. It could be worth yeah. a dollar. It could be worth a million dollars. Who knows what, what you know what the worth of of an item is unless you have another buyer for it. And again, that yeah. that kind of that kind of again goes and equates to a mentality in the hobby today. And I've seen this from the national. I've seen it from the two local shows I've done this past year, the graded card in the PSA holder of, uh, of the basketball player and or whoever is just a, a commodity being traded. I don't really yeah. think there's a great deal of, of love for the item. It's just that if this card in PSA 9 is a $500 card and you're selling it to me for 400 I know I can get 500 for it. And therefore, it, it's worth me spending the four hundred to get the hundred extra dollars out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's a sad, to me, in a way, it's a sad commentary of the hobby, because all you're doing is you're looking at everything in dollars and cents, which I I get yeah. to a certain degree, but what, what does it mean for the you know the future of the hobby? I really don't know. Other than we're going to have a bunch of graded cards everywhere and. That, that's what it's going to pretty pretty much come down to. We're going to eliminate yeah. all other physical the hobby, uh, ticket stuff, programs, media guides, everything. We could just do that electro- electronically. Yeah. Did I lose you, Bob? Bob, did we lose you? You there, Joe? Yeah, there's some background, Russell. Okay. 
accidentally hit mute. Or... Okay. Um, uh, no, we're... and I'm, I'm afraid it's happening on the football end, too. I mean, we've talked a couple of these 2,000 playoff contender gold leaf ticket scub Tom Brady cards. Uh, right. On their million-dollar cards. It, it, yep. Somehow or another, that feels like a game of musical chairs because when there's a hundred of them, you know how how are each of them worth a million dollars? I I don't know. It it does feel like a game of musical chairs, and and the the tough part is is uh, it it's turning its back on the history of the game. Uh, you know, I I collect presidential stuff too. I'm a you know I my minor my useless minor in college American history with you know, kind of that focus on the Revolutionary War. I know more about James Madison than most people should. Uh, and a, a lot of people ask me, it's like, why? It's like, well, don't we owe it to the past to recognize what they did to contribute to this? I mean, and it's kind of the same with football, where it's like Red Grange, you know, where would the NFL right. be if, if Red Grange hadn't switched over? Eventually they would have made it. There were a lot of up-and-coming stars, but Jim Thorpe didn't bring the NFL. I mean, he was retired by then, but you know, it's—I don't know—it's uh, we owe it to the past to acknowledge what it did to bring it where we are now. I mean, and I don't know. Exactly. That's, that's why I like Red Grange, et cetera, and that's why I struggle with a modern card. You know, a single modern card being worth more than you know any you know than you know than a Joe Namath and a Gursky, a Jim Brown combined. You know, right, right. And, it, and again, it's just, it, it, we've seen this happening for years now, and I think because of the influx of young persons' money in there, and I, again, for three shows I've seen this past year that I've done, I see a lot of very young people in their probably late teens, 20s, so on and so forth with their carrying cases and their backpacks. <laughs> and uh, yeah. they're they're buying and selling thousands of dollars of cards, and that's it, you know. And that's that's what they're looking at. That's what they're buying, and that's what they enjoy. And uh, you know, I guess that's that's the hobby right now. You know what I mean? And then you yeah. get the old timers like us, uh, who you know still prefer older cards and or older memorabilia, older paper, uh, so on and so forth, and. Where's that market? I really don't know. You know, I, I really, I really got to take a serious. I, I really look at it seriously because, again, seeing what I've seen, what I, what I saw for three shows, including the national, it kind of yeah. blew me away. You know what I mean? So, but again, yeah. you know, there's. I think there's still enough of our type of collectors out there that still will generate some sort of market for the older material. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, rewinding to something we talked about in the last show, that uh, '65 Topps Cowboy Wax Pack that's going in memory lane hit about uh, <laughs> nine eight, eight, eighty-five hundred nine thousand a couple days ago, with about a week to go. You might be a little, wow. might be close with your uh, assessment of a fifteen thousand dollar pack. Yep. Yep. Oh, I might have a feeling that's what that's what it's probably going to end up in. Uh, somebody who could afford it, just break it open. Have some fun. <laughs> that's, that's... <laughs> uh, hey, look uh, at, look at there back. Look at there. Oh, go ahead. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. I could probably buy a wrapper and rewrap one. And, and have <laughs> the perfect is there another wax yep. pack out there? What is the most valuable vintage pack? Would a 58 uh, be, if an authenticated 58 nickel pack came up, is a 48 leaf pack up there? I mean, this is one of the rarest packs I've seen. Uh, I've seen a 48 Bowman, but I mean, is, is there another pack? But we don't even know what the final hammer price would be, but right. you know, right. will, this, will this set? 65 tops as the most expensive vintage wax pack. I mean, you know, let's say it's 15K. 
it'll, it'll be truly amazing if something turns up out of nowhere or there's a warehouse find of something somewhere, yeah, okay. you know, in some barn, you know, in the middle of nowhere type of thing. But yeah. again, you know, it's, that's the fun of the hobby because you never know what's going to be found. never know what will be discovered again. And uh, hopefully if, if it gets appreciated in the hobby one way or the other, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. What this flushes out of the, the collections, if somebody's like, oh, holy crap, I've got a couple of those. Let me send those off to get graded. Uh, yeah, you never yep. know who's watching it with something like that in their collection who it entices them out. Like, oh, I have no idea. But, I mean, there can't be that many of those 65 tall boy packs out there. And no, not at all. Even at a you know a 10 to 15K price, uh, that, that's, that's maintainable. Uh Right, you know, right. I guess I guess my question is, is, yeah, you know, think of another pack that if it came to market, that would be more valuable. I mean, 48 Leaf, 52 Bowman. At one point in my collection, I had a 52 Bowman large nickel pack. Somebody okay. uh, pulled it away from me about uh, 10 years ago. I think it was Jason Cassidy. Uh, but, you know, that, yeah, it's just – Interesting. How many how many wax packs ordered to a box of tall boys? I would say I think it was twenty four. I'm not sure though. Oh, I, gotta, I, I gotta, Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's twenty four. And there was like a because of the way they laid in the in the box themselves, and I can still picture it because obviously the box has to fit the packs. Uh, so obviously it's either twenty four or thirty six. I've kind of got a feeling it was 24, though. So if I had some foresight and I had a couple extra dollars, I could have just bought pack after pack and put it away. And I could have told my father, you know, 60, 50, 60 years from now, I'll be looking at some good chunk of change here. But, uh, unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. Well, a week to go. Uh, I, I'll be watching it. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm bidding on it, but I am not the high bidder. So we'll, we'll see how many, how many more, how many more coins I can shake out from the, the couch cushions. We'll see. <laughs> it's a one of a kind. It is at least it's mm-hmm. the first one that I've seen graded in the hobby. It's a, yeah. it's a uh, great piece for anybody's collection. And again, like I said. Looking at that, it's a 15k plus pack. And that's what that's where it's going to be at, one way or the other. So, in our traditional year-end wrap-up show, we talk a little bit about the guests we had. We've already mentioned several that have been on the show uh, so far. Um, one interesting section of our we did a two-part show with Mike Driscoll, who uh, is our Jim Thorpe expert and collector. Uh, just an incredible sea of knowledge uh, that he has, he presented to us on the show. And I had a couple of our subscribers, listeners to the podcast, comment that the, they were just they were literally flabbergasted listening to what amounted to being a complete history of of you know his his dilemmas and his problems as far as going back and forth um, with the Olympics and his medals and so on and so forth. And it, 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 I, I gotta, I gotta say, for for our guest lineup this year, that those were probably the best top five shows that we had uh, as far as information was concerned. It was truly amazing to listen to um, his information that he presented to us. It was amazing, truly amazing. Yeah, yeah. It again, you know, really shows you the difference between. A fan. I'm a Jim Thorpe fan. I'm a collector. I brought, I know more about Thorpe than you know 99% of those of the world. And then you bump into right. somebody who has immersed themselves in it, who knows you know conversations and what they're thinking. Because I always had an inclination that Pop Warner sold Thorpe down the river, that he could have any any time stood up, raised his hand, and said, "Hold on, guys." And he didn't. So, and I, I always had that in the back of my mind, you know. Is it, Pop Warner and that right, right. 
And it was interesting right. to hear his take on that, where he's like, absolutely. Uh, that also kind of an eye opener to how bad Native Americans were treated back then. That was also something I wasn't aware of. A, a really good show, obviously a great guest, but a, a, a little disheartening for me to learn a few things that shatters your, your image of people, you know? Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Mike's also a very kind guy. He sent me a Christmas thing uh, with a handwritten note uh, and, and a, a little a little Chotsky, which was very, very kind of him. It, it always – and his, he, he writes in old cursive. So when he, his return address, he's in Oklahoma, I'm in Oregon. His return address was okay for Oklahoma. And I thought it said OR. So I text him like, are, are you in Oregon now? What the hell? He's like, no, I'm in Oklahoma. And, I'm like, <laughs> and I sent him a picture of it. And he's, he's like, no, that's okay. Uh, a funny little back and forth. With us. <laughs> but, yeah, it took me a second to realize who it was from. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, what a great guest! What a boy, and a, and an absolute historian of, you know, of Jim Thorpe and some of the stuff in his collection, the, you know, the book, you know, I I'd, I'd never even seen pictures of what Thorpe's, you know, you know, gold medals looked like, uh, right. you know, just right. incredible, just incredible, and uh, also makes me good to know nobody knows where those medals ended up. I always just assume somebody wink wink nudge nudge knew where they were and we'd see them in right. heritage or something like that someday but you know we're seeing and to, and to and to compliment what mike talked about we had jeff benjamin on earlier in the year um oh, yeah. actually you, you 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 created a contact with him on that and uh, he gave us a lot of information on olympics and so on and so forth so that was that on yeah. Thorpe with the olympics and uh his efforts that he helped to try to uh, bring it to light also. So that, that, that was nice. I mean, I think we paid a lot of tribute to Thorpe this year, which was well-deserving. Uh, and again, we try to preserve his place, uh, not preserve, but we try to educate people on his place in football history as much as his place in Olympic history. I mean, the man was an yeah. incredible athlete and uh, well-overlooked in a lot of cases. I mean, you could ask a lot of people, you know, who Jim Thorpe was. Uh, not really, you know. I know he was an athlete of some sort, but I really don't know the story type of thing. So yeah. uh, we gave him a lot, gave, gave a lot of information out there, a lot of historical background, and hopefully uh, we helped preserve his uh, place in in our football history and our and, as, and yeah. more importantly in Olympic history at the same time. Yeah, um, one Jeff show was obviously Jeff was on the. Uh, on the committee called Bright Path, uh, which was his, yeah. you know, Jim Thorpe's name, his original name. Uh, he was on the Bright Path committee to try and get Thorpe's, uh, you know, 1912 Olympic gold medals reinstated as being the sole gold medal winner. Because, you know, years ago he was placed as the tie. So if you looked on, you know, on, uh, you know, Wikipedia, et cetera, there were two gold medal winners. So the bright right. path, but you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, signature drive was to have him made the sole gold medal winner, which uh, was successful this year, which was really cool to see. Uh, just yep. yeah, kind of cool to see a, a wrong righted, you know, a hundred years yep. afterwards, but you know, still righted. And it's well deserved. Well deserved. I was happy for him. Another show, which unfortunately, while you were on your trip to watch whatever that sport is, soccer, a football, <laughs> you missed probably, and you'll you'll definitely enjoy this coming issue of Gridiron Greats because he's going to be our super collector, uh, Jen Jen Antonio, and uh, the stuff that he has in his collection is just, it's just incredible. The pre-1900 stuff that he has, I mean, it, it is like looking at the history of the game. Uh, truly amazing guest, and uh, I'm keeping people. I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna comment to our subscribers and people who read the magazine that I think you're gonna really enjoy this upcoming issue with his collection being featured. It's, it's incredible to see. I, I'm just speechless 
looking at it and and I told you on that putting everything together for the magazine I'm just I'm just floored by what he has and and the stuff is just truly amazing to make one way or the other and, if you're and we also have guys and not a and not a subscriber to Gridiron Grades. What the hell are you waiting for? I mean, and there should be a good tease right there. Upcoming issue, you're going to see some amazing collections. So, I think I'll I'll tweet that later on today and, and put it on our Facebook page. And again, if you're not a subscriber to Gridiron Grades Magazine, what are you waiting for? Check out our website, Gridiron Grades Magazine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> switching, switching gears switching gears again uh, we're coming up to next month and I actually have a walkthrough with the uh, builder next week uh, we did move into a new compound down here in Southport, North Carolina um, I gotta say this I really miss winter weather uh, mm-hmm. even though we had a we had a cold spell down here which was pretty dramatic but in no way, shape, or form compared to many a day where I left for work. It was 20, 30 below zero, and I drove to work and uh, shoveled snow blow, uh, with my snowblower uh, 20, 30 inches of snow at a time, blah, blah, blah. I do not miss any of that. And today, it's about 65 degrees down here. I was outside working on the yard in the morning. Uh, it's just incredible. So I, I I really like the climate here. I do like the heat during the summer, even though it's really hot. I can handle I'm I'm pretty good handling it now, and uh, I enjoy it. So I moved in. I moved into my new man cave, which is upstairs in the house. And Brenda and I both say this, this house is just it's like a vacation house for us. You know what I mean? Mm. It's not a yeah. I, you, you can't you can't define it as you know, it's definitely not like the other two the other two homes we had. No way, shape, or form compares to them. Uh, but it's it's just a vacation home, and we spend probably eighty percent of our time in our sunroom, which is aptly put because it's it's a room full of windows and it's sunny all the time in there, and it's warm, it's nice. You know, cold weather outside, it's still warm in there because it, obviously you have uh, heat down here. You have to use heat Wonderful. on occasion. And you have the sun. Sun comes right in the way it's the way it's built. But in any event, I had well over thirty boxes, buckets of my collection that I'm pretty much I only have one box that even though I, I haven't unpacked it, I kinda know what's in it. But I was truly shocked at what I what I came down here with. I, I'm just I was just floored at some of the stuff, not realizing what I had. Um, you know, not remembering a lot of the stuff at the same time. And that kind of scared me because I'm saying, wow, I didn't really realize I had this or this or whatever Yeah, type of thing. Just, just amazing what, what you see, what you have. And when you, when, you have, when you do a move like we did, which was a wholesale move, and I did get rid of a ton of stuff uh, on top of it, um, I'm still shocked what I had and I still have. And um, while I was down here so far, I helped liquidate a um, friend's um, nephew's baseball card collection, which I found very interesting because it was, um, I, I didn't realize that there's really not a lot of vintage stuff where I'm, where I'm located. You know what I mean? There's, there's just no card shop I can yeah, I'm in close yeah. proximity to that. I can just, you know, look through binders of cards or whatever, you know, that type of thing. So it's a, it's a different it's a different atmosphere, different market, especially at the card shows. The card show I did in Wilmington, I had a lot of comments from dealers and people passing through. Wow, I never saw any of this stuff, and it wasn't like your traditional and usual all graded cards on the table and there was really nothing else there. You know what I mean? So it's interesting. Interesting to see what you accumulate in a lifetime of collecting. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I hear about you moving in in my mind, I, you know, Mecca has moved, you know, the football collecting, (laughs) you know, Mecca in Wallingford, Connecticut up and moved. And that's okay. It's kind of like Air Force One. 
whatever plane the president is on is Air Force One. It doesn't matter if that's a Cessna. <laughs> and wherever Bob Swick's collection resides is football, you know, football collecting mecca. So that's okay. But yeah, yeah, I've collections before too. And I boxing up is one thing because you're just kind of grabbing stuff and putting it in a box, wrapping it in paper. Uh, so I mean, you're, maybe you're, maybe you're filtering through a little bit when you're boxing it up, but where you really start weeding through stuff is. You know, when you have to unpack it and put it somewhere and you're like, Oh my gosh, I forgot what, you know? Yeah. It's it, yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, it, what, what a daunting task. It's, it was, it was just mind boggling to me. I mean, I, again, I, I think back to, I probably six months before we were actually going to move, I started packing stuff up and um, I had a friend of mine in Connecticut, two friends, uh, one, a dealer, uh, who I consigned a bunch of stuff to. He was happy to grab it, blah, blah, blah. And another one was uh, a uh, actually one of my former students who was, who was a big collector. I gave him a few boxes of, of stuff that I had accumulated over the years. And uh, it, it was really kind of amazing to see what I ended up still coming down here with and not seeing my collection for over five and a half months because that's how long, actually six months because that's how long we were in the condo, uh, yeah. it, it was kind of startling after six months to see some of this stuff again. So uh, <laughs> I, I I highly recommend anyone if you know you're gonna you're gonna be moving in the future and you have a large collection, examine and really think about what you want to keep and what you you know you know you're gonna sell or disperse or trade, you know that type of thing, and separate it and. and it makes it the move much easier and much more. Um, what's a good way of putting it? it easier to to uh, just just greater ease through the whole process. Because yeah, I was the organized. Type, I didn't. I I did not throw. I did not throw a lot out over the past <clears throat> thirty years or so. Being in Wallingford, I mean, I I saved every literally everything that I had. And it was quite a process to get rid of a lot of stuff, to say the least. Uh, yeah. For example, Beckett magazines coming out of my ears. And um, there's not really a big market for them anymore, uh, especially unless you have the earlier issues, which I had. And um, I, I can sign some, I, I, I gifted some, so on and so forth. But that was, a, that was an interesting magazine to read in the beginning today i just i actually picked up a, a beckett recently and it really did not do much at all for me going through it and <laughs> I, I actually i have a mag a large magnifier that i have to use just to look at the prices on it and i'm saying oh, man. are you getting the prices for this stuff i mean where how, how is this stuff you know especially for the vintage stuff how are they determining the prices for this you know that yeah. type of thing so uh, kind of interesting to see. To say I, I the think least. we all go through uh, those evolutions. I, I've had many ebbs and flows in my collection where I've collected unopened. Uh, you know, I, I mean, at one point, 48 Leaf was my set. I mean, I, I loved it. I collected it. I had a really high grade. And then, you know, I had a, you know, got a bitter taste in my mouth seeing a lot of uh, trimmed cards getting graded by PSA, and I sold it all off. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I had a wax pack collection. We had a couple guests on talking about the, you know, how prolific resealed stuff is. I sold it all off, and then, you know, three or four years ago, I kind of came back to it. And I said, you know what, I love that stuff. I, you know, who cares? You know, I, well, I mean, I care. You know, uh, you know, I'm gonna trust a BBC. You know, I'm 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 gonna trust it. You know, we'll see. I mean, this stuff's our hobby. We love it, but at some point we do need to resell the stuff if five years from now, you know, we, you know, you know, we find out Steve Hart doesn't know what he's doing and that entire market collapses, that would be a shame, but there'd be a lot more yeah. than, you know, little, little Joey Squires collection. So, uh, so I don't know. I, uh, you know, yeah. And I, enjoy well, I think you've seen pictures of my office, you know, my wax packs, my, yeah. my, my uncut sheets and, 
stuff like that. I enjoy it. And it's and it's a and it's a cool different type of collectible. And as somebody who did have a small unopened pack collection, but my unopened packs basically, you know, sum these and up. And the 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 two packs that I kept, I had a seventy five pack and I had a seventy six pack that I know I bought, you know, on at the store when they were out there, and I kept one for whatever reason. And then in the 80s, I started collecting wax again, and then, and I, I started putting away one pack. I just, for whatever reason, wouldn't put wax boxes away type of thing. But anyways, could you imagine if I put I put away a 76 wax box right now and I had it? I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's that kind of stuff that really, you know, I just find fascinating that, you know, this stuff is so unique, and it is unique. And, yeah. again, it, it's a great it's a great segment of collecting in the football card hobby, especially uncut sheets and especially unopened wax packs that are legitimate, you know, and or unopened wax boxes at the same time. Who, who and, and I know you're, you were deep in 88 tops at one time, who would imagine prices for 88 tops wax right now for football? Jeez. I, I mean, it, it defies logic to me, you know. And, oh I, and I remember being at shows, at shows, you couldn't even give it away for five dollars a box. You know, but, dealers were begging me, "Here's a case, just give me, give me eighty bucks for it, give me something for it." I gotta get rid I of know. that type of thing. I, I think I it's, mentioned it's on, the, on the PS on the PSA boards once. There was a guy trying to sell a, a like two hundred eighty eight boxes and if but the cost of shipping was more yeah i think you wanted five dollars a box or something but the cost of shipping yep. was more yep. and i reached out i'm like i'll take them uh he, he lives in seattle i live in portland live, live in portland i'm like meet me in centralia which aptly named is centrally located between portland and seattle uh you know, you know and i drove up there met him and i didn't think about how much you know 200 boxes of 88 ways uh Loaded up in my Ford Bronco and drove away with the the ass of my Bronco dipping a little bit. But I sat down in my basement and I'm, I opened up some. I sent some in for grading and I ended up with a hundred boxes. You know, and I, I couldn't and I I couldn't open enough. I was it was boring to me. And then at some point I sold some. I gave some away. I ripped some. I, you know, et cetera. And, and then as I circled back four years, I'm like, I want to start getting back into collecting. Those were hundred dollar boxes. And I'm like, what yep, the hell? Yep. When did that happen? I would have loaded that Bronco up and driven 200 boxes to the Steve Hart. Said, here you go, grade these and yep. sell them on your website, man. <laughs> you know, jeez. <laughs> yep. But it's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. And eighty-eight is eighty-eight's kind of eighty-seven is popped. I mean, it used to be eighty-seven, eighty-eight with a redhead stepchild, but. Even eighty-seven is, uh, you know, two hundred dollars a box now. Uh, right, right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's interesting to see for me, especially. Go, let's let's use eighty-seven as as a base year. It's interesting to go back thirty-five years and see the massive flow yeah. up and down of all these different segments of the hobby and what it went through. The junk wax, the junk wax era. Yeah. Which with now that's not junk wax anymore it's valuable wax yep the the you know the the massive amount of printing of all these different sets now we're down to one 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 company printing all the different variations of the set which defies yep. logic and you know it's just one thing after another after another and the consistency was always there to me i always felt comfortable because I knew tops was there, and I knew I could I could open packs of tops. I could I could find tops at shows. I could I could put together the set myself, and I was only interested in the base set. Nineteen ninety two. I gave up on all the inserts because they started having like five, six, seven insert sets. So yeah. what, there was no fun with that. Yeah. And then twenty fifteen, tops cannot print football anymore. Well, you know what? That that ends it for me. That ends my fun with tops. And I can't get into a surrogate tops for 2016 afterwards. So then I say, okay, I can do a Packers police set, and I know I can. That's still available. And then what happens with that? That ends too. 
one of the longest yep. running police uh, printed ends. So you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of lost in the card market. The kill time lasts, uh not this past fall, a year ago while we were in the condo. I'm buying packs from Walmart, a football card. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm opening them up, and how many how many more insert sets can you possibly have in a pack that can never be completed? I mean, what's the fun in that? I mean, it it, it doesn't make sense to me. But and again, it, and they're it not didn't do anything for you. It didn't do yeah. anything for and you either. There wasn't a, right. a sense of completion. I mean, it, you know, there was no checklist. There was or, no, there's no sense of anything other than I just spent $100 on a bunch of wax packs. For what reason is is beyond me. And then I'm looking for the show at the show or going to the show, so I've been bringing some of this new stuff. I got a little sign on my table, you know, I, I have 2021 football commons and inserts if anybody's interested. I don't get one person <laughs> at all who even inquires from the sign, oh, yeah, do you have such and such a player or, you know, I'm looking for, you know, whatever, Falcons cards or whatever, Panthers cards, nothing. Yeah. So I, I, yep. just, I just have to laugh, laugh about the whole thing and this, this past fall, I bought exactly one 2022 pack of prestige football in Walmart. And I, was, I did not. Just to see I'll what, admit, Bob, to see what after, it was after like. hearing you talk about that, after hearing you talk about that, I went on Target.com and ordered two boxes of each, too. <laughs> I have no yeah. idea what's in them. I don't even know what they look like. I just put them on a shelf. I, I'm like, well, who knows? These might be worth. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows who Tom Brady oh parallel refractor black you know one of 30 chrome <laughs> green edge card might be in there someday <laughs> yeah, I don't even exactly but i'm uh, i'm kind of right behind you I, I you mentioned we had a we had a house fire back in april and uh you know kind of an odd day. i mean everybody's safe we were out of town and just had a power line you know, catch fire, drop down, hit our house, and catch it on fire. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, you feel helpless to be out of town when something like that happens. Uh, I'm, you know, you know, had my construction manager over there, and he sent me a picture of the basement. You know, he's like, it, it looks pretty good. There's some water on the floor. And I, and I circled some stuff. I'm like, I need all of that out of there and to the shop. That represents a lot of money. Uh, you know, yep. put a tarp yep. over my safe, protect it. But, Ditto. I, I boxed everything up. I wiped it down just in case there was some smoke on it. But, uh, you know, over here and, uh, yeah, I wiped it down. Uh, the safe was in good shape. So everything in the safe got moved to a different location. But, it, it you know, I, I have all my stuff in a box. And I'm waiting until yep. the house is complete to move it back. But I'm go- kind of going through the same thing you mentioned where some of that I've kind of lost luster because I was, you know, I'd booked. You know, uh, you know, you know, nine page, uh, or you know, nine pockets, you know, uh, you know, you know, notebooks, three ring binders filled right, with. Right, right. I, I bought the '65 Philly set, and I wanted it raw just so I could enjoy it. And I found I never looked at it again, and that was four or five years ago. And I'm like, well, maybe it's time to get rid of those. I, I, you know, the ebbs and flows of collections. I, I always thought I wanted you know, the runs from, uh, you know, the runs of cards from, I got rid of those years ago, graded and came back yep. and said, let me put that together raw and see if I get the same, you know, love and feeling. And I didn't. So it's time to send those to Al Crisopoli, the love of the game. And see if, uh, see if he can sell them. But I think I'm going to downsize again and just, you know, stick with what yep. I like. Well, I tell, I'll tell things, you, by moving, by moving and moving in to the house and looking at my stuff, I, I have a better, a much better handle of what I'm keeping and a much better handle of what I want to start selling off. But I'm looking at right now, which I know I sent you this picture is my bookcase with all the binders of the actual run. Yeah. 48 to 2015. And as I tell everybody and people who know me know it's 92 sets, 48, 49 leafs, 48 to 55 Bowman which is only the 52 Bowman, small, not the large. 60, 63 Fleer, 64, 67 Philly. The 76 to 88 team in action uh, sets. And then tops the 51 Magic. 
and to the 55 All-Americans of the last year, 2015. And that's, I always tell people, that's the last thing to go if and when, A, I go, and B, if I'm going to sell it, you know, what I type of thing. That's yeah. the last thing that possibly is going to be sold. Everything else can go before that. But that's that's yeah. my run. That's that's still my baby. And, and yeah, like, like looking at it, and I do, you know, unlike other people, I do pull out binders at least twice a week, and I look at the sets again. And then I also make notes. If I ever find, you know, such and such a card in better condition, I want to upgrade it. Because I'll tell you, 48, right up to 57, I got a lot of beater cards in there. I got a lot of nasty <laughs> cards in my collection. And, I'm, and, I, and I don't make any, you know, I don't make any, you know, excuses for it. And I'm not worried about it one way or the other, you know. So uh, if you saw some of my cards in 48 and 49 weeks, you'd be laughing <laughs> To see how bad I'm they are. At the thought of it. <laughs> and I, uh, again, when when people, yeah, we we've talked about this numerous times over the years. If somebody shows me a PSA eight or nine, forty eight or forty nine leaf card, I tell them I don't even know yeah. how that's possible because in all the years I put, all the years I put that set together, and looking at my set, probably the best graded cards I have in my it in my forty eight and forty nine leaf set are right around X, X plus. Yeah. I don't have a near mint card close in those sets because I never saw a near mint card of the in of 48 and 49 leaf when I was putting yeah. it together back in the 80s and then the 90s. So, you know, don't tell me it's it's all there because they're, they're not. And we, we beat that as a dead horse over and over again, you know, that the cards were doctored, trimmed, clean, whatever. And uh, it's comical to, to see 48 and 49 leaf. And for me, an yeah. upgrade is VGX or X, and that's it, you know. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I had boxes and boxes of 48 leafs that I would buy so I could measure them, so I could start seeing what normal cards were. And when I was trying to put piece together what the uncut sheet looked like, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I was you know, buying all those miscuts so that I could yep. you know, put yep. a loop to, uh, you know, what the border card was. You, know, you could just see a little bit, and I'm, you know, looking at all the other backs. And then, yeah, it was it was an obsession. It was fun. And now, yeah. Yeah. It's our, a, it's, our doctors soured me to that for sure. But, but uh, yeah, I've got some unpacking to do in, uh, in about eight months as well. Like in our house yeah, by, uh, you know, 4th of July. And, um Good, you know, going to add some shelves in the basement for stuff to organize a little bit better, but I'm also going to whittle some stuff down. You know, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's healthy for any collection and collector. And I know I've talked privately to several longtime collectors um, who I've said to them, you know, really think about what you want to keep and what you want to get rid of. And don't be afraid now to start getting rid of some of those stuff. And then, Try to just enjoy what you really want to enjoy, and uh, have some fun with it. And uh, yeah. I think that I think everybody goes through that in their collections of some sort. And I've collected so many different things over the years, you know, not just football cards, but other items. And I've downsized a ton of them. And uh, you know, I've, I've gotten I've sold complete collections of stuff, so on and so forth. And uh, it's interesting to see. It's it's interesting to see what you end up collecting and the enjoyment you get out of it, but then at some point that enjoyment passes and you got to be realistic about it. So I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten much more realistic with what I'm collecting and what I what I want to get rid of or what I want to keep at the same time. And it happens. That's it. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, you didn't you didn't lose anything in the fire, so that was a good thing. So, yeah. uh, or if you lost Very anything, lucky. it's replaceable type of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The fire was in our third floor attic, and uh, I keep most of the collection in the basement. So, the, you know, the real damage was the water from the fire hoses. But, um, yeah, I'm not, it's, it's, it's interesting. I've really enjoyed collecting the rare, more, you know, there's three of these known to exist kind of things, you know? Uh, yep. 
I mean, we, we, you know, Jeff Payne really had a great article about, you know, the top of the 26 possible Maroons postcards. I'd been loosely yep. collecting yep. those. I was about halfway there, and suddenly I gave myself a push to kind of get there. As Jeff mentioned, we did a really cool trade, get, uh, you know, for some, uh, some, some star player candies for some possible Maroons. That was a, that made me feel really good. Yep. It made me feel like I was back on the, on the, uh, you know, school bus with cards in my lunch pail. Uh, so, yeah, um, yeah, 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 it's, it, I get it. So I, I get it. Most of my rare stuff can fit, uh, you know, in, in a shopping cart right now. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, I, I, I have like three shelves in my safe filled with these, you know, rare things. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I really enjoy that. I really enjoy being focused. Yeah. Uh, you know, but then we have the things you're talking about. You said these are my babies. Uh, you know, my, you know, 79 tops, 80, 84, those are my babies. And I will always have something yeah. of those around. Because for me, it's 60 to 69. But that, that set of cards, yeah. you got clear, you got Philly, you got tops. Can't ask for oh, yeah. anything more there. I mean, that, that's this. And again, I've always debated as the years have gone on, maybe that's the the last things that I actually sell if I'm going to sell them and um, break up the run that way. And then, you know, I'm comfortable now. I, I like my run the way it is, and I, I enjoy looking at it, and I enjoy the occasional upgrade I can make on the cards here and there, and, and it's, it's enjoyable, to say the least. Yeah. Well, we're down, we're down to about two minutes, so we're going to start wrapping things up. We're going to wrap up 2022 this uh, today, last show of the year. And Joe, we're going to go into our two-minute warning. I hand off to you. What'd you pick up this? Not this show, but what'd you pick up this? Show? <laughs> Bob, I, I think my excitement at the bumper music and your intro was another year, another year of uh, humbly being your co-host. You know, on on, uh, on Gridiron Grace, it's amazing. I I say it all the time. I've got the best seat in the house. I get to talk hobby with you know with Bob Swick, the captain. You know, every every couple of weeks, it's it's cool. It's it's fun. It, it you know I don't know. So I'm I just uh, another year of of great shows, trials, tribulations, ebbs and flows of collections. Talking to amazing people, and the more people we talk to. You know, our question at the end, what advice would you have to collectors? Uh, we seem to get a lot of the same answer. Collect what you love. Be a kind person. Be good to the people around you. I mean, and, 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 you know, have fun in the hobby. And it, it's so spot on. We're starting to hear that so much more, and I, I love that. Because uh, that's what the hobby's been about to me. I, I've gone to nationals, and I've barely walked and looked for cards. I've walked over to people's, you know, setups and sat there and talked and had lunch and waited for dinner at it's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, another year uh, of being, uh, 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 you know, your sidekick, your co-host, and thank you. I, it's humbling to be uh, to be able to to dial in and and talk ball with you every couple of weeks. Thank you. Uh, I, appreciate, I appreciate all your efforts, Joe, and, and you went above and beyond this year with everything going on. You got some good guests uh, from your contacts and leads, and we're working on a few for next year. So we'll be back in 2023. Well, that's a weird, yep. weird sound. And uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have two strong shows to lead off uh, January. We'll be back again. Check out our website, RedIronGreatsMagazine.com. That's it for 2022. Joe, thanks for all your help. Ooh. Thank you if you're a subscriber and a reader of Rediron Greats Magazine. It's definitely appreciated. And thank you for listening to our podcast. That's all I have for today. We'll see you next week. Take care. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. 
Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.